2: Good afternoon investors and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 8th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk and I am Justin Klein and I thank you for joining me today and I hope you will join in on the conversation during this hour. It tends to go by fast and I want to address what is on your mind. So call me with your investing questions as soon as you possibly can. Now there's obviously no requirement that you call in and hopefully what we talk about will benefit you in some way Uh, obviously not every topic is gonna fit everybody so that is why if you participate call in we can craft the show to your liking now as always our goal here is to improve your ability to reach financial freedom whatever that is for you it's very different for each person and their goals and their lifestyle and their who they want to support and what they want to do with their life right and our job is to make you better with your money, whether that's uh, investing, right, which is the core of what we do here, but there are other aspects as well as saving and spending, right, as well. So we touch on those things and we can talk about all of that. And we do this each hour with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, right? We don't we we don't sound like CNBC. And we do that for a reason because they're after ratings. They're after eyeballs. They're after ad dollars. We are after helping you chase your particular type of financial freedom. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you forge that path. And to do that, you can call our anytime listener line and is open right now. I'm taking your calls live at 8899 chart, 992 4278 Now on today's Invest Talk. My main talking point is going to be about a $12 billion money manager and he's told investors to be cautious amid bond market warning signs. And we talk about the bond market being a very important indicator to where the economy is going. And equity stocks can often go a different way, let's just say that, in the short term. But we know in the long term, or at least the medium term, should I say that, that the stock market's going to go the way of the economy. If the economy continues to grow, and the stock market will eventually go higher, right? Even if it's slowing, you might see back to more volatility. Like, And that's kind of what we've seen here, right? Economy is slowing. That creates volatility. Doesn't necessarily create a bull, a bear market, but a recession almost always creates a bear market. So the big question is, what is the bond market saying about the future of the economy? And then you can know what the stock market will likely eventually do. Maybe not tomorrow or next week or next month, but relatively soon. Now I also have some other topics as well. Dividend paying stocks. A lot of people have chased dividend paying stocks in the midst of very low bond yields, right? It's very hard to get safe return on your money in this market with financial repression from the Federal Reserve and central banks around the world. I think we're at 10, approaching $10 trillion once again in negative yielding bonds that are out there in the world, which just means most fixed income in the world are trading at below average rates. And therefore, it's a lot harder to get the type of yields that you're looking for. And we get calls and we get messages uh, on investtalk.com all the time asking about particular, bond, or particular stocks with high dividend yields, six, eight, 10, 12%, right? Why, because investors are looking for higher yield. But the question is, is that a good substitute for bonds? And we're going to talk about kind of the pros and cons of using a dividend strategy versus a bond strategy, especially in retirement. Next, what are the number one questions Americans ask about retirement? I'm going to list the top 10 and maybe give you a little tidbit on each on how to think about that, how to answer that question for you. Because typically, the answer is going to be a little bit different for everybody. And you have to conceptualize that in your mind. So hopefully we'll get to that as well. And then lastly, China's, U.S.-China tech war is getting worse and Apple is paying the price. So we're going to talk about that because what that's what really this trade war is more about. Uh, everyone talks about <clears throat> tariffs, right? But this is more of a fight over intellectual property. Because that's where China is crossing more boundaries than they should. Uh, if you ask, you know, any professionals in in this space that understand uh, the trade and the technology trade uh, around the world and with the U.S. and China, and hopefully we'll get to that as well. But ultimately, I want to know what's on your mind. Those are interesting to me. Those topics I think are important to most, both myself and hopefully you, the listeners. But maybe they aren't, maybe it's what's on your mind and I want to talk about that. Let's take a quick look at the market today. We had, go back here, we had the market up slightly. We started down on the day after, uh, I think it was a down Friday, um, but but a strong, strong uh, previous week. And the market ended pretty positive. Uh, Slightly positive overall for most of the indexes. Russell 2000 was down a little bit. But overall, it was a slightly positive day. Uh, you know, we're going into earnings season. Earnings are expected to fall slightly in the first quarter. And most likely, earnings are going to fall again in this quarter. And I think that'll be interesting as well to see how that works out. Let's see, where are we going to go? On today's. Uh, <clears throat> Let's take, actually let's do this. Let's take some market news right now. Earnings growth slowing. I just talked about that. What else? Trade tensions, and we aren't really getting closer to this China-U.S. trade agreement. There's always talk about it, and you know Trump and says we're we're one week it's we're making good progress, and then the next week it's kind of like, oh, you know we're not going to take a bad deal. So there really hasn't been much progress. I think I think it's just more words and not really coming together on what is needed for a real deal to come down to actually be agreed upon Boeing played a big part also in the Dow falling a little bit today they're going to stop or reduce their number of was it 7 787? 787 max jets that are going to uh, be produced per month. They produce a certain amount per month. They're going to slow that down. Obviously, there's a lot of trepidations with the uh, the recent uh, accidents. And I think that's going to weigh on Boeing for a while. And Boeing, because it's the biggest Dow component, because of the size of the, 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 the uh, cost of the shares, it's going to weigh likely on the Dow, I think, for a little while. So I always say ignore the Dow. But in this environment, I absolutely would ignore the Dow even more than previous times. Now let's get to our anytime listener line at 8899 chart. Hey Steve, I was wondering if you could talk about Switch ticker symbol
1: SWCH. I'll be listening to your podcast. Thanks. All
2: right. He's looking at Switch. Develops and operates data centers in Nevada and company. The company provides co-location space and related services. So they're obviously kind of in the cloud uh, space, cloud infrastructure space, $2.6 billion market cap. This is a name that IPO'd not that long ago, end of last year, around $20 a share, and now it's at $10.72 a share. So it's down about 50% from when it went IPO. Another great example of why I just don't like IPOs. Typically they're overvalued. Now, 2.6 billion dollar market cap, revenue grew 119% last quarter, but that's that was after 3 quarters of Big drops, I'm sorry, that was earnings, was were up 119% last quarter. But the f- previous three quarters were all big decelerations in growth or declines in growth, actually. And the last uh, quarter, earning or revenue only grew 4% after a couple of years ago it was growing in the 20% range around the you know, IPO date. So you're seeing decelerating growth. I don't like that. Headquartered in Las Vegas. Uh, let's see, what else? Negative free cash flow. I'm not liking that. Enterprise value to EBITDA is 22.5, still high. Let me look at the chart here, SWCH. If you're watching on the YouTube live feed, you'll be able to see the charts here. Now it's rallied after that return to growth in earnings, but earnings can be manipulated. Revenue still hasn't turned around, and that's what I don't like about this name. So technically it's certainly improved, but we're, In a longer term downtrend since the IPO price still at an expensive valuation i don't love it i'll pass now you're listening to invest Talk. i'm justin klein i've got a save the date reminder for you steve will be returning to san jose california on may 1st so if you live anywhere in northern california i encourage you to make plans to sit down with steve for a no-cost portfolio review consultation he'll review your, your portfolio and suggest ways to maximize the performance and reach your goals in a quicker manner. Space is limited, but you can register now at InvestTalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live at 889.
0: It's a fast moving Invest Talk. We're already into the second week of April, and you want unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. And Justin is here now serving up that timely advice live. So step up with your questions. Call 888-99-CHART.
2: Now, this is a great article. It's from uh, it's from CNBC, but it says $12 billion money manager tells investors to be very cautious amid a bond market warning signs. And this kind of echoes my sentiment that we've seen for uh, a little while. Earnings growth has declined significantly. And estimates... There's an estimate that more than a 3% decline in earnings for the first quarter. Now, you probably remember if you go back and listen to a show, maybe a month to two months ago, the average consensus was 1% drop in first quarter earnings growth. And how I always said, as you get closer and closer to that report date, for companies, typically those estimates on average decline. And they have from negative 1% to now negative 3% for the first quarter. Analysts, I believe back then, it was a, they were still expecting about a 7% growth for earnings this year, just a few months, a couple months ago. Now it's down to 4%. Last year, earnings grew 20%. A lot of that has to do with the tax cuts, but earnings growth continues to slow. Now, the bond market tends to be right. And we talk about the 10-year and 3-year treasury curve, and it's been negative now for... I want to say about 10 days, something like that, 10, 11 days. I think it was two Fridays ago, it was, or three Fridays ago, is when uh, it went negative. And the bond market is saying that within nine to about 15 months from now, there will likely be a recession. So you're talking early part of next year. Now the big question is, do you run for the hills? And the answer is no. Why? Well, all this means is that it's just not going to be easy to make money in the stock market. There's called dispersion in returns, in this especially in this type of environment. And there's always a difference between different sectors and how well they perform depending on the economic backdrop. But when you get in this environment, it becomes more exaggerated. So what does that mean well you need to be transitioning to sectors that tend to do well when bond yields fall when the dollar declines and when the economy slows so you transition to those type of sectors you go to high quality investment grade bonds with decent duration eight, seven ten years something like that that is the way to handle this type of market environment. Now I want to hear from you. You're listening to InvestDoc. 8899 99 chart is our number. 888 4278
0: In the words of a wildly popular 1980s song, it's just another Manic Monday. And in today's market, more than ever, you need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Well, you've come to the right place Invest Talk. Justin Klein is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions 888 99 Chart.
2: Eighty-eight ninety-nine chart. 888-992-4278. two four two seven eight. Let's go to Manny in Florida. He wants to talk about Johnson and Johnson. Hello. You there, Manny? Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, just uh, doing? I'm a regular listener. Thank you for the show. So I have a question about no Johnson okay, and Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Is it a good time to buy because because of the lawsuits? I think the price is down. So is it a good value uh, at this price? Wanted to know your thoughts. Well, all
2: right. Well, let's first off uh, talk a little bit about the, the lawsuit. Obviously, they're they're facing some some lawsuits over the talcum powder, and you had that big drop in December of last year. And we've rallied with the overall market, but we're still nowhere near the highs from the fall, about $148. We're now at $136, so not drastically below it, but about 10% or so. Yields about 2.6%, which is not a fantastic yield for a big blue chip name that isn't growing very much. Your revenue grew 1% last quarter, earnings grew 13%, which was nice, but you know it's hard if you're only going to grow 1% uh, to 4%, which is the last two quarters and really continue to drive revenue growth, earnings growth over the long term. Now P ratio is 17. Let's take a look at some of the deeper metrics that I like to look at. Enterprise value is 14. Once again, a little on the expensive side for a name that isn't really growing. Return on equity is 24. That's very nice. And not a ton of debt. So I like that. Uh, First off, Let's, say, let's ask, what is your goal? Is your goal that dividend stream, or are you just trying to look for a good value?
0: Good wa- value for a very long time, like five to ten years.
2: Okay. Well, th- I would say then you're not going to find a good value at this time in Johnson & Johnson. It still is a little on the expensive side for me for a name that's growing rather slow. Uh, now, the, the profitability metrics are good long-term. So it's a good name that you should be looking at. But from a long-term perspective, I mean, I look at enterprise valued EBITDA, it usually averages closer to the 10 range as opposed to the 14 range. So th- I like okay. to be look at companies that are trading more in line with their historical averages from a, a multiple like that or below, and now we're trading at a little bit higher. And then you add on top of that the technical picture, which is really not that exciting, to be honest with you. You kind of have a, a double top from the start of last year and the end of last year. And technically, MACD is weak. And I think this is likely to head lower. Around $100 a share, I would start to think about it. It'd be more interesting to me. But at 136 it's not cheap. Uh, but... It is a good name to have in your watch list to be looking at because of the low debt levels and the strong cash flows, dividend, and profitability metrics. So, you're, you're looking in the right place. I just think your timing's a little off. All right, Manny? Okay, thank you. Let's go to Bob in Sacramento, looking at SPXS, correct?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I've been watching this uh, ticker for a long time, and I was just thinking, is there any negativity if I bought it and held it for six months? Because I think the market is going to go down in six months to a year. Um, is there anything that you would see negative about doing something like that?
2: Absolutely. So, what you're looking at this is SP. XS and this is a short ETF and it is uh, the direction daily Spy, SP 500 bear three times short ETF. So it's a, it's a leveraged ETF. Are you familiar with the problem with leverage? Yes,
0: no, I, I just been charting it for the last two months and um, mm-hmm. it's as low as now, but I've been charting that with the Dow and, and the SP 500 and mm-hmm. Looking at how both of them react to each other, and um, I can't find any negatives okay. about. You're looking at, it at two months. It.
2: Yeah, so you're looking at it for two months, and that's a it's a relatively short period of time, but it's still actually kind of long for a leveraged ETF. So there's something called tracking error, and I can get into the math behind it, but it is complex. But what it basically, means is the longer you hold this, the le- the more it's going to diverge away from what you would expect it to do, right? So over, say, the next year, it fell, 10, or the SP fell 10%. You would expect this to go up 30%, correct?
0: Yes, or 20% at least. But it's normally going
2: Well, it going might go up, up 20%. It might go up 20%, absolutely. But you are taking a triple plus the risk that the market keeps going up. Okay, so and this applies to any leveraged ETF that's out there. Any leveraged ETF. These are trading vehicles only. You don't want to hold these for extended period of time. These are week, two-week hold periods for trading purposes. Pure speculation. If you see some catalyst, you you think the market's going to go down. And you're a trader. You can use, but you don't hold it for any length of time. Anything more than two weeks is too long. Okay. Thanks for the call. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, one hope. Oh, I guess I don't have time for that. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 99 chart.
0: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Where principals and Invest Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices. Parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP
1: Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. You're listening to Invest Talk.
0: Are you doing everything possible to make sure your investments are performing as well as they should be? You can find investment strategies and unbiased guidance anytime at InvestTalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. 888-99-CHART
2: Eight eight nine nine chart 888-992-4278. nine two four two seven eight. Let's talk a little about dividend-paying stocks and whether they are a good substitute for bonds. And in a world where bond yields are just at decade, multi-decade lows, haven't been this low since really the Great Depression. A lot of investors are turning to dividend-paying stocks, especially retirees. So they're looking for some sort of cash flow and that's obviously why they're appealing to dividend or to to retirees. Now, the FTSE High Yield Dividend Index, which is composed of the higher yielding half of US dividend paying stocks, yields about 3%. And that's about where the Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Index sits. So, you're getting the same yield right 3 and 3 and then you say well bond yields are going to be are static right you, if you buy a bond and it's yielding 3% that's what you're going to get 3% if you buy a dividend paying stock that pays 3% today if their business continues to improve then they're likely to increase that dividend and over time that yield especially on the basis can grow And dividends have a giant share of the markets return, So, dividends should be a component of everyone's investment portfolio. I don't think you should own... A, you shouldn't ever have a portfolio that is 100% non-dividend payers. Let's say that. And when companies pay dividends, it says a lot about their ability to produce profit, to produce cash flow, because companies that have paid that over time usually have solid business models, and they have good financial strength, typically. They're also more likely to have sustainable competitive advantages, meaning there's something that they've built that makes them stronger than the other companies in their industry. 43% of the firms that pay out a dividend have either a narrow or wide economic moat, according to Morningstar. Whereas only 29% of non-dividend payers can say the same. Then you say, well, dividends are also taxed differently, taxed more favorably. If you make, even if you make, $400,000 $400,000 a year, it's actually $488,850 if you make less than that as a married couple filing jointly, you're only taxed at 15% on dividend income. And if you make less than $78,750 as a married couple, you pay no taxes on dividends at all. Whereas bond income is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Now. Those facts typically don't really matter for most people because they're investing in their IRA or four hundred one K. So you say, Well, why would I mess with bonds? Well, the answer lies in times. No, the five hundred high yield dividend aristocrat index has a standard deviation of thirteen, which is the measure of volatility. The Bloomberg Barclays Aggregate Bond Index only has a standard deviation of three. What that means is dividend-paying stocks are still about four times more risky than bonds. And when times are good, you want to be in dividends, dividend-paying stocks. But look at the financial crisis. Bank stocks we're down 80% and those were some of the biggest dividend payers in the market with this. Now obviously I don't think anyone who knew what they are doing, halfway knew what they are doing would ever put all of their money into one sector even if it's a good dividend payer. So you should diversify, diversify your dividend payments. But what we should all should do is, I like a barbell approach. So dividend-paying stocks are a more risky way, which I just talked about, to produce income in a portfolio. So especially retirees, you don't want to put all your chips in the dividend-paying stock arena because of that higher-than-average risk. But what you could do is give a portion of it, portion of your portfolio into dividend-paying stocks. And then the other half, maybe, into high-quality bonds that are going to give you that ballast, right? The yin and the yang. That's actually what we do in our balance income program, which is roughly 50% stocks, dividend-paying stocks, roughly 50% bonds. So even in a worst-case scenario, you're going to have that ballast of high-quality, low-risk side of your portfolio. So obviously, yields aren't that great right now. But if you're going to go into heavy dividend uh, dependence right, in your retirement portfolio, you need to have a ballast of high-quality bonds as well. Now, if you wake up during the night with an investment question, there's no need to wait. Call our anytime listener line at eighty eight ninety nine chart Here's a question that came in earlier. Hi, Steve or Justin. Quick question for you. I've been looking at investing in real estate and something that particularly catches my eye is vacation rentals, like uh, beach condos or maybe like uh, cabins near a ski resort, things like that. where. You tend to get m- more money than a monthly renter uh, since they do it sometimes weekly usually weekly but, uh, but sometimes to be nightly but obviously you have a lot less stability or you're not guaranteed that money every week or every every month like you would be for a long-term renter.
1: Just wanted to get your
2: thoughts on that as a uh, as an investment strategy and see what you say All right thanks so much bye. Well, I think you your question ended with kind of what I was going to lead on, which is, yes, you can absolutely earn much higher returns from those type of investments. I have friends, uh, real estate agents that I know that have done very well in the va- vacation rental market. You know, The rise of VRBO and Airbnb have allowed owners of properties in popular vacation spots to easily market their properties and get more vacation rental income without, you know, a a big broker taking a big fee or something. And when the economy is good, absolutely. Things tend to go very well. But VRBO, Airbnb, they weren't really around during the last financial crisis. They weren't really used that much. So it's going to be a higher risk endeavor, and you need to be prepared for that and understand that when the economy is good, you're gonna get much higher returns, cap rates from those type of investments if you know what you're doing. But it's going to be very up and down, and you need to have reserves. I guarantee not many people are going on vacation in October, November, December of 2008. So be prepared for that level of volatility. You can earn higher returns. Talk with somebody that's done it before, that knows the pitfalls, right? You're going to deal with people that rent your place and throw a big party and break things and ruin furniture. You're going to deal with a lot more problems, vacancy issues, just dealing with different types of people that you won't if you're just a buy and hold renter. The best type of investment in the real estate sector is you buy a property, you find a good renter, and you you might raise rents just a few percent a year, and they're happy and they stay there for five, ten years, and they barely ever call you. And that's a great no headache investment. You will never get that with vacation rentals. So you have to understand your level of commitment that you can spend, the time you can spend on that type of property. So keep your eyes wide open, understand the risks. It's okay to explore it, but make sure you, just like any investment, understand the pros and the cons. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you're making the right choices with your money in your 401. k Candidly speaking, unless you literally have a lot of time to study the fundamentals and trends of the market and different sectors, it's difficult to know how to allocate your 401k. So that's where Steve and I can help. At KP Financial, we have a math-based model to guide you. It will monitor and advise you, and then you take action within your own 401k. It's called our active 401k program at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 8899 chart This is InvestTalk,
0: made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial Office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. And be sure to save the date. On Wednesday, May 1st, Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California to sit down with listeners who understand the value of a no-cost portfolio review. So tell your friends and register to meet with Steve on May 1st. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions 888-99 chart. 8899
2: chart 889924278. That's a get through and ask your question on today's show. I thought this was great. What are the 10 most asked retirement questions in the past year in the US? I'm gonna go down these 10, and I'll either give you the answer or a way to think about it to answer it for yourself. And the first one is, how much do I need to retire? That's a difficult question because everybody's retirement years are different. So you have to answer your own question of, What do you want your retirement years to look like? Do you want to travel around the world? Do you want to rent an RV or buy an RV and travel around the country? Do you want to sit at home and play with your grandkids? Do you want to play golf every day? Do you want to work part time? What will retirement look like for you or financial freedom? And then you start figuring out what that is probably going to cost you on a yearly basis. On a conservative basis. Number 2, how to retire early. I mean, most people want to retire sooner rather than later. And it's a simple it's a simple answer. It's save enough to meet that financial freedom retirement lifestyle that you want to live you do the math we have financial planning tools for our clients we work with them on those type of questions so you have to do that for yourself but it's a just like anything answering almost any question in life is dynamic so nothing is static and and one size fits all number three when can i retire kind of the same as number two right Number four, what is the retirement age? Well, for Social Security, it's sixty-seven. Full retirement age is, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sixty-seven. I believe it goes to sixty-eight if you're born after a certain year, but I think it's still sixty-seven. How much to save for retirement? Number five, well, on average, you would say ten to fifteen percent of your take-home pay. If you haven't saved a lot and you're behind, that's probably closer to 15%. If you've been good, you started early, it's probably closer to 10%. That's usually the parameters that I tell people. Six, how to save for retirement. Well, your 401k or your workplace retirement account is going to be the best way, right? Because it's automatic. You never see it go into your bank account so you can't spend it. So that's the best way. There's obviously other strategies, other ways to IRAs, et cetera. But for the vast majority of people, that is going to be the real answer. Number seven, how to retire at 50. That's kind of the same as number two. Number eight, how to retire? I don't know. Sign, Hand in your resignation? Number nine, what is the full retirement age of Social Security? I kind of said that. Number 10, where to retire? That's another great question that kind of fits into some of the first view, which is, if you want to retire in Arizona, Nevada, kind of in the central part of the country, your cost of living is going to be a lot less than if you're going to go retire at the beach or New York City. right? So that goes back to how much you need to retire. Great questions. Hopefully I gave you ways to think about the correct answer. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. This hour seems to be moving by fast, so I want to hear from you. We have about 10 minutes remaining. Give me a call now at 99 chart.
0: On the next Invest Talk, one high-profile advisor says Wall Street is wrong. There will be an earnings recession this year. Is this a reasonable prediction? That story tomorrow. But now Justin's here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. Eight 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 ninety nine chart.
2: 88899 chart, Eight eight nine 4278 Let's go to James in New York. He's looking at Western Digital. You know, uh, yes,
0: I, I am. I, I had a position um in Western Digital. And I followed the advice. I believe it was Steve who said that maybe put a tight stop on it of around $45. Mm-hmm. So when it dropped to 45 I sold it um, at a profit. So I, I took my profits, but I sold my entire position. Um, I kind of wanted to get it back. I, I wanted it maybe for more medium or long-term holding. Um, do you think there's a, any level that's good to get back in?
2: Well, right now, if I look on the on the weekly chart, it's what it's called a bearish inside bar, where it's a big reversal week, uh, let's see, three, six weeks ago or so, and it stayed within that. So as long as it stays within that that reversal bar, then it's likely going to have a continuation move lower. So if it can break above on a weekly basis, the, the high from just a, a few weeks ago, what was that? Uh, let's see see what that price was, about $54 or so, then I would say, okay, that reversal pattern is now null and void. Uh, so from a technical perspective, it doesn't look fantastic. Now, it's certainly improved from where it was at the uh, the end of last year, uh, and it is undervalued. I do think it's undervalued, for, but technically, it's kind of in this zone that I'm not sure it's really going to break out. Um, so I don't love it here until it can get above that f- about 45. I f- sorry, did I say 45? I think I said 45. 50 uh, 54 level, and that's also the 200-day moving average. So if it can break above that 200-day moving average, I think this trend has changed for the better. Until then, I would avoid it for now. Thanks for the call, James. Let's go to Edgar in San Diego, looking at Walmart.
0: Hi Justin, thanks for taking my call. Hmm. Yes, uh, i been. What looking are you trying to do with Walmart? Are you trying to buy Wal- it? Well, uh, I I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I'm trying to buy it, but I want your opinion about Walmart and is it gonna um, the Walmart and Amazon? You know, is competing with Amazon in some ways. What's your opinion on Walmart in general?
2: Well, I, they are allocating a lot of resources, a lot of money to the digital space and I think they're doing a good job in a in a very competitive environment and they're transitioning their company to the new era. Uh, are they doing it fast enough? I think is the better is the bigger question. They are, they're obviously paying attention to it and I like what they've done. You know, the the purchase of jet.com very good. And they hired the CEO of jet.com to be the head of their digital marketing, uh, transition or digital sales transition. So I like that. So I like their overall strategy, their leadership. It's a good company. Is it undervalued at these levels? I wouldn't say it's undervalued. Um, but it's, if you're looking longer term, I think they have the best chance to compete with Amazon. Thanks for the call Edgar. Let's go to Nick in Hayward. He's looking at ARLP.
0: Yeah, Justin, uh, thanks for taking my call. And I'm thinking, uh, I know the dividends are high, but uh, I I saw in a magazine of some kind, they kind of like it, you know, so I want to get your opinion.
2: You're looking Uh, at Alliance Resource Partnership.
1: Go ahead, yeah.
2: You're looking at Alliance Resource Partnership. This is a master limited partnership. So understand that 11% dividend yield, which is probably what you're after. First off, understand it is going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Are you aware of that?
0: Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Okay. okay. That's nice to know. So
2: your effective rate's not going to be quite as good as a normal dividend pay. Are you purchasing this into a brokerage account or an IRA or 401k? No, it's a brokerage account. Broker Jam. okay, so understand that. Okay, got that. So let me take a look. They they don't have a lot of debt, which I like that. Uh, for a mass of partnerships, a lot of them have heavy debt levels, and that worries me. Let me look at the the chart has come up a little bit. I do like energy plays uh, in this environment, so that's that's a positive. Uh, let me try to get to the chart here. Here we go. Ooh, it's come down. You know, I don't, I don't love it. I just don't like this chart. It's just kind of choppy, no real trend, and yeah, you're gonna earn that 11%. Um, but it's, it's not a name that I'm, I'm in love with uh, at this time. Thanks for the call. I'm Justin Klein, and that completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night.